Let's get into God's Word for a little while here today. Will you turn with me, if you have your Bibles, or mark it down to Colossians 1, 12 through 14. We'll remind you that let's talk about Jesus is, is dealing with the sixth of seven uh, hindrances to answered prayer. If we get this right, prayer is going to be answered. If prayer is answered, every promise of God is going to be kept. And if every promise is kept... Hallelujah. Friend of mine, we can't help but have a breakthrough. We can't help but have a revival. We cannot hold it back. Amen. It will come as sure as God's word is true and God is faithful. So I'm going down this list and there's more than seven reasons, but seven seems to take because they overarch uh, uh, each other in many occasions. But I'm learning as I'm teaching. I believe that's what makes a good teacher if you're learning while you're teaching. Amen. Even uh, math teachers have to go back and have refresher courses. And I'm refreshing myself because I can't afford uh, to be disqualified from an answered prayer. And a lot of people are just depending on building their faith without dealing with attitudes of the heart and activities in the life. The Bible is very, very clear. Amen. And it talks about, in, it, well, I, I, if I start preaching that, I'll get into that. If you have your Bible, Colossians 1, 12 through 14. We've been down this road a little ways. We want to go down it a little further. The blessing of being in the kingdom of God. I love the, 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 the parts of the Bible that talk about God's kingdom. It's not just any gospel that's going to be preached to the world before Jesus returns. But it's this gospel of the kingdom. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things, everything that really distracts us from the kingdom, and they are not things that are just, you know, loving pleasure more than God. Of course, that's a distraction. It's just taking care of, of the necessities and responsibilities and the business of life. It's not just sinful things. It's just things that become sin and become weights unto us if it distracts us from the kingdom of God. Take you no thought, he says, for your life. What you shall eat. And what you shall drink, or wherewith you shall be clothed. Now, we all need to eat. We all need to drink. And I don't mean drink, drink. You understand what I'm saying. Amen. And we all need all of that. It's amazing thing to me is that, that so many people, and, and I, I, no wonder God was astonished at, at man's capability of missing so many important things. So many people still don't get it. And I have been preaching it and trying to live it. They offered, me, they offered me advancement on my job. They scratched their head because I wouldn't take it. A deacon of a Baptist church <laughs> was in the office when they were talking about me. They said, why won't Robert take that, that, that position? Uh, because it, it, will, it, will, it will absolutely give him way more money and he could do more for his family. See, they're thinking about my family as if they cared. They just needed somebody to blame. That's who the boss is. Amen. <laughs> when you're the office manager, it, it, 
the buck stops with you. Amen. Well, the thing was, they, when if you're going to be in management, if they have to run through Sunday, you're going to have to be there and run with them. You've got to be there and run with them. You've got to set the example. And I knew that. And I said, no. And, and, and he defended me. And, and they said, I don't understand him. I don't understand why he would turn down advancement and pay raise. And, and he said, well, listen, he, he loves his family, but he's loving them in a different way than just with material things. They said he's putting God first in his life. That's why he's doing this. And they, see, they, they didn't say, oh, well, I clearly understand that. They're still scratching their head because they don't understand God first in your life. Amen. You put everything and everybody else first and you call on God when there's a crisis and the doctor says there's nothing we can do about it. Can you say amen? Then God becomes relevant. But until then, God's not relevant. If that was just in the world outside the kingdom, it would be different. But it's the world getting into the church to where the word actually becomes ineffective. That that has such potent power to bring forth fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold in our life. The Bible said other things entering in. The deceitfulness of riches. The deceit. What is the deceitfulness of riches? If I have enough materially, uh, I will be happy. I will be satisfied. No, you won't. No, you will not. There is no house. There is no car. There's not enough money in the bank. You say somebody in Valrico. I think I told you last week. Uh, I'd like to get to know him. Amen. Somebody in Val Valrico. That's not far from here. Won the Reader's Digest sweepstakes, and it showed him in his yard, giving him that big false check representative of $1 million. Listen, if he doesn't know Christ, if he doesn't know the joy of fellowship with him, if he doesn't have the peace that passes understanding, they did an actual uh, study on people that had won huge amounts in the lottery. And did you know what? The majority of them became unhappy. Some of them, because of the pressure that they came under, wish they had never won it. I saw a bumper sticker the other day, and, and it, it said, if, if you think money won't make you happy, you don't know where to shop. The world just thinks that somehow it's going to work. Someone said, I've been, uh, I've been, I've, I've been poor and unhappy. I, I've been poor and unhappy and I've been rich and unhappy. Rich is better. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. It, it, it's, see, it's all right to have money. He brought them out with gold and silver so they wouldn't be dependent on others. Amen. Because there's a snare in that. So he brought them out with enough money that they didn't have to borrow or bow or compromise with anybody else. He brought them out with gold and silver when he brought them out of Egypt. Listen to me carefully. You can't buy this with all the money in the world. If you don't have peace, you are poor. The richest church in Asia, Jesus assessed differently. They looked at their material blessings as God's favor when, in fact, it was making him sick. And we got a message today that deals more 
with the material and the physical to indicate your faith and God's, God's favor than your walk with Jesus and your dedication to God. And it's out there and tens of thousands of Christians are following it. One church this morning holds 30,000 people and they're coming to hear that. No wonder there's 30,000 people. Because if following Jesus doesn't require self-denial, but in fact gives you self-indulgence and promises you riches untold in this world in heaven when you leave it. Why not? There's no cross to bear. There's no sacrifice to be made. There's no self to be crucified. That doesn't mean you're going to do without. When the king is first, the kingdom is first. And it's all about who's sitting on the throne in your life. We need to demystify kingdom and, and quit trying to put it up in some, some mystical uh, area. We need to bring it home to the reality. It's all about who is the Lord of your life, who sits on the throne of your heart. If the king is on the throne of your heart, then the kingdom will be first in your life because the kingdom is the rule and the domain of a king. In fact, it is where a king rules in undisputed authority. I, listen, I have trouble sometimes obeying God. Not because I don't have a heart to obey Him. It's because I have a flesh to deal with. When He tells me to love my enemy, it's not always something I just say, you know, something I don't care what they said about me and what they did to me and how it hurt me and harmed the ministry. I just love them so much. No, no, I am highly upset by it. I have to get down on my face before God said, Lord, you're going to have to help me with this because I want to hurt somebody. I'm 72, but I'm short, but I'm wiry. God is good. God is good and he's helped me with those feelings because I can't permit those feelings but I have to deny myself everybody say my bad self amen, amen. we've been talking about that you got a bad self amen your bad self is that flesh nature it's called S-A-R-X in the Greek. It even sounds bad, don't it? <laughs> Amen. And Jesus said, if you don't deny yourself, you don't take up your cross, you will never be able to follow me. Can you say man? Never be able to follow. You can join a church. You can be baptized in water. You can even talk in other tongues, but you can't follow Jesus. The Bible said in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, Be ye followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, even as Jesus Christ, who gave himself. Can you say amen? He denied himself in the garden, not my will but thine. He denied himself and let them put him on the cross and he stayed on it and he didn't have to. He told Peter clearly when he pulled his sword to defend him, if my kingdom was of this world, I would have called the armies of heaven. In fact, in the old covenant, Jesus is called the commander and chief Lord of hosts. Everybody say Lord of hosts. You know what Lord of hosts is? The commander and chief of heaven's armies. 
when he comes back, he's leading the armies of heaven, isn't he? He's, oh, that's because he's the commander in chief. Or as my son said, Matthew, I have to bring him along, you know. He said he's the head poncho, isn't he? Not talking about Jesus, just anybody in charge. said he's the head poncho. I said, no, he's the head honcho. But he still calls him the head poncho. <laughs> Amen. Jesus is the head honcho. Hallelujah. He is Lord to the glory of God. Hallelujah. And he's coming back on a white horse which represents a conquering king. When the Roman uh, soldiers created, their, took another land and brought back the spoils of war, sometimes they would ride in chariots but pulled by white horses. Jesus is coming on a white horse. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's a conquering king. In fact, he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. But he is he my Lord. That is the supreme issue of my Christian walk. we got all kinds of Christians that acknowledge He is Lord of all. But is He a Lord of me? Is He the Lord of my life? You know what Lord means? In the Old Testament, it is not a name for God. Adonai is not a name for God. Adonai is a title for God. It's His title. And it means Lord. Adonai. Adonai, it means Lord, Lord. In the New Testament, He is not just Jesus Christ. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not just Savior. And then it's up to us to the degree that we will accept any measure of His Lordship. That's not how it works. That's the cart and the horse being backward. He, he, is, he is presented as Lord and Savior. And I'm going to submit this to you today. If you will not bow to Him as Lord, because you can't serve two masters. Anyone who will not bow to His Lordship, it doesn't mean you'll be sinlessly perfect, but you will have the correct spiritual order. You're not going to even be anywhere near qualified to follow Jesus until you get saved. And I don't believe anyone can get saved without repentance. And I don't believe anyone can get saved without choosing a different master. Bible said in Romans 6 and verse 16, Whoever you yield, your members, servants to obey, his servant you are whom you obey. Whether God unto right, that word servant, doulos, I appreciate your handle online and your email handle. Amen. It's doulos, doulos, Paul, a doulos of Jesus Christ. Paul, a servant, it's rendered servant. And that honestly is a weak rendering of the Greek word. It brings service, but a servant is not strong enough to denote the meaning. It's the word they chose for the King James. It's inspired of God because we should be the servants of God. But it literally means bond slave. I owe a debt. I owe a debt. I owe a debt. 
You're bought with a price and you are not your own. That's clear in scripture. We know the price, don't we? You are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But because that blood is so priceless and so precious, the price that was paid for us, you have been bought with a price and it's nothing less than the blood of Jesus. But you have to give yourself away. I beseech you, Romans 12, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer your body a living sacrifice. What does that mean? You know what your body is? It's a container for your soul and your spirit. It is the whole of you. That God might do something that he will do for every believer if we will let him. The Lord God sanctify you. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy. Completely. And the only way to have that holy sanctification that leaves you H-O-L-Y. Can you say man? By the way, he's coming for a holy church. We used to have people have a problem with our name, the Holy Church of God. I told you when they introduced me at one pastor's meeting, all those pastors out there, they put up on this big screen, Pastor Robert A. Venable, pastor of the most holy church of God. And the first thing I had to do was make a disclaimer. Not because y'all are not doing really well, but because I'm even just still grasping holy can you say man most holy is not where i'm aiming for (laughs) i just want to be holy how about you i believe being holy is enough he's coming for a church without spot without wrinkle or any such thing but that it might be h-o-l-y for the church which is christians that have been washed in the blood of jesus to be h-o-l-y we have to be sanctified w-h-o-l-l-y so the bible said the lord sanctify you holy w-h-o-l-l-y spirit soul and body part of being created in the image of god that there's three that make up the one You have a body, you have a soul, you have a spirit, and both soul and spirit are contained in the body. And God wants it all. Oh, you didn't hear me. God wants it all. God deserves it all, so he demands it all. Yes, he does. The church doesn't. takes more commitment to join the Boy Scouts than to be part of a church. Yes, it does. Takes more commitment to be a Civitan or a Lions Club member than most people who go to church on Sunday. Takes more devotion to be part of many clubs than it does to be part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me carefully. We've got this watered down, weak version of Christianity, and it's we don't have people following Jesus. Plain out and simple. And since we're not following Jesus, guess what Christians do? They hunt Christians that aren't devoted so they won't be convicted. And they hang out with those that God said we're to turn away from. From such, turn away. It doesn't mean to be mean. 
But birds of a feather, this is a good adage. Birds of a feather. If it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. It has feathers like a duck. Its name is Donald. Can you say man? Am I right? That's all ducky stuff, right? Come on, sister. Give me give me an amen or something. All right, that was Amen. It's a duck. Come on, can't we figure that out? You need to hang out with somebody that's going to challenge you to be better. Not to chat, not to, to say, well, I'm as good as they are. Well, they go to church and they pray and they talk about answered prayer and miracles and look at them. I can, they can do that and they're doing this. It ain't about them. It's not about you and them and him. It's about you and him. And it's time that we quit playing games. I know pastors that are absolutely compromised in their personal life. I am not going to compromise in mine. I've got a healthy Joshua uh, attitude. Amen. As for me, if it seemed good to you to serve the gods that your fathers bowed to, amen, you serve them. Go on over there and serve them. If sin is what you want, go get you a double barrel handful of sin. But if you want to serve God, amen, make up your mind. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. If you want to serve God, become a servant of God. Because why? Romans 6.16, way after Joshua. Amen. Man, whoever you yield, your members, servant to obey. His servant, you are whom you obey, whether God unto righteousness or sin unto death. And he knew people are fickle. And he knew people are are easy to 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 take say things about devotion and not really follow through. He said, He said, Choose you this day who you're going to serve. If it seemed good to you, if that's what you want, go serve those false gods. But as for me, I can't speak for you, but as for me and those I have influence over, I'm so glad I raised my son in a Christian home and he saw a Christian mama. He didn't see something different when church was over. He saw some, our priorities reflected our faith and our, our, our esteem for our king. And before he went home, and when he came full circle, raise up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Thank God I got to see him come back full circle. And because Jesus was the Lord of our life, he talked about Jesus when he received him as his Lord and Savior. My king, my king, my king. He kept calling him my king. Well, if he's your king, then the kingdom is first. And if the kingdom is first, you're right with God. And if you're right with God, you've obtained his righteousness. That's what he wants to be first in your life. Amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and, and all these things that the Gentiles seek. It's not wrong to have a house. It's not wrong. Listen, if you go buy me a brand new car, I am not too proud to drive it. If I gave you a brand new car, would you say, oh, uh, it's too good for me? Uh, no, that's false humility. Drive that sucker and thank God for it. 
But thank God for the seven-year-old car I got. Thought about trading it the other day and went to three different dealerships. And my my car has 44,000 miles on it. It's a 2012. And and I looked at two-year-old cars with 60,000 miles on them, and they want all that money and car payment. And I said, you know something? I kept looking back at my car, and I was looking at that. And I, I, said, I said, I got 20,000 less miles, and it's almost paid off. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to trade up someday, but but you know something? When I drove out in my car, I said, you know, I'm glad I got this car. I don't know who was driving that car. I know who was driving this. I know I didn't drive it over 80 or 90 miles an hour. (laughs) Give me a fist bump. (laughs) Oh, that's a little four-cylinder. I thought it was going to be sick. Boy, I thought that car was going to be sick, sick, sickety-sick. I wanted a V8 four-barrel carburetor, two four-barrels if possible. Can you say (laughs) <laughs> That's what you want to give me a V. Uh huh. Wow. All I can say to you is, wow. I could have had a V eight, right? Okay. Just, just so we know. Amen. <laughs> but that little four cylinder will scat. It'll get up and it will go. Amen. I looked down the speedometer and it says eighty, and I said, Lord, look at this thing go. I don't even feel like I'm going to eighty miles an hour. My goodness gracious. And then I look in the rearview mirror while I'm taking my foot off the gas. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everybody say when this gospel of the kingdom of God. When this gospel of the kingdom is preached into all the earth. When this gospel. When this gospel. We, we, there's a lot of, of things that have lost the core of the gospel message. The gospel message is that you can change masters. You must change masters. Can you say amen? And Lord means master. Someone said the communion table is not where we come to bargain with God. It's where we come to agree to unconditional surrender. Unconditional surrender. If we had devoted Christians in the workplace, there'd be some people coming to Christ in the workplace. I'm going to say that again. If we had committed Christians in the workplace, there would be people sooner or later come to Christ in the workplace. Because I was 12 years bivocational. And people came to Christ in the workplace. And it wasn't because I was a preacher preaching. It was because I was a Christian walking with the Lord. Making no apology for my faith. Not being self-righteous, but being separate. That's why the Bible said, come out from among them, saith the Lord. And be ye separate. And touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you. For what fellowship hath light with darkness and Christ with Belial? Belial, literally another word for Satan himself. Amen. The world system is run by the devil. The Bible said that it's that spirit that now worketh in the children of what? Disobedience. As sure as disobedience marks the devil's children, obedience should mark God's children. There is no in between. I have trouble obeying God, not because I don't have a heart that's been changed and wants to obey. 
My spirit is willing. My flesh is weak. I can't conform it. I can't make it do the right thing. There's only one answer for it. The Bible said that we're to crucify the flesh with the lust thereof. That's what taking up your cross to follow Jesus means. So many misinterpretations of that. Oh, 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 my family won't have nothing to do with me because ever since I've become a Christian, you know, they drink and cuss and carry on and they won't invite me to places. I remember I was invited to a party before my son came back to the Lord for one of my grandchildren. Going to be a pool party and, and, you know, said you don't have to swim. The kids are going to swim. And I was glad to hear that because I was don't have a wetsuit and frog feet and all the stuff a preacher needs to go swimming. And stay sanctified anyway. No, my son called me back the day of the party or the night before and said, Dad, there's going to be things going on here that I know that you would be uncomfortable with. And he was politely telling me, just stay home. And I was, I was glad he respected me and my walk with God enough. And he knew my daddy wouldn't be comfortable here. And he knew something else. I would make them uncomfortable. Without even trying. All I'd have to do is show up. And they're, oh, no, there's a preacher here. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Talk about a party pooper. (laughs) Amen. That's not my cross. The world rejecting me is not my cross. I used to have a a car I parked by. If there was a space by it, I purposely parked by it. Because it said on the back, it had all these Satanist stuff and, and all this New Age stuff on it and crazy stuff on it and heavy metal stuff, stickers. And, and on the back it said, Lord, deliver me from your children. Yeah, he's a bad guy. You ought to go way down there. No, I wanted to park right by him. He'd see me coming at work. He'd head the other way. I'd try to cut him off <laughs> just so I could pass by and look him in the eye and let him know, you're not intimidating me. You're intimidated by me. You wouldn't be reacting to someone that is following Jesus if it didn't bug you to the soles of your feet. Amen. I didn't try to preach to him. All I had to do was just keep living for Jesus. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And seeds were sown. Glory be to God. But listen, my master, I have a master. He has a master. He doesn't realize it maybe. Maybe he's not a Satan worshiper by going into the, the, the areas of actual worship of de- demons. But in fact... When you are in the world system and you buy into it and you set your morals and standards by the world about you, it's Satan's system. He's called the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. we got the Holy Spirit to help us to obey God. If you want to obey God, He will give you the strength you need, the grace you need, the power you need. Doesn't still mean you'll be sinlessly perfect, but you'll be right with God. Listen, Peter, Simon Peter, couldn't you watch with me one hour? Couldn't you watch with me one hour? Peter, you stay here and pray. I've got to go into the garden alone. Pray. When God in flesh recognizes the weakness of His own flesh, Christ's own flesh, 
He was sinless, but he was in one of these containers. His body was part of a teenage girl, his earthly physical form. And something happened in the garden that put a seed of sin nature in every child that was born after that. Jesus knew, I'm going to have a battle with this flesh in that garden, submitting to the will of God. I'm going to win the battle. But did you know when he went in there, what he felt in terms of pressure? He said, my soul was sorrowful before the cross, before the beating, before the flogging. My soul. You think he just tiptoed through the tulips through life. No, he had to deal with, with what we have to deal with. That's why he's so compassionate on us if we will look to him. We don't have a high priest. There's a living in his Superman suit. He took on our flesh. We don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Therefore, because God gets you, God understands you, and God loves you, if you'll be honest with Him and confess when you sin, get up when you fall down, get right when you know you're wrong, amen, God is going to give you grace, and God is going to give you strength, And God is going to help you to get back up and go on and go on and win the battle. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So when God asked a man to pray for him, and he didn't ask a strong man in the faith. It wasn't Paul yet. Paul wasn't yet on the agenda. It was Peter. Vacillating, hot and cold, I'll never forsake you, Peter. He comes back. He asks Peter to pray. And Peter's fast asleep. <sniffs> Typical. I need support. And there's, there's, there he is. I ask him for one hour. And he's already fallen asleep. He woke him up. He said, Peter. Couldn't you watch with me just one hour and you can see Peter scrunching up? When the flesh wins, we all scrunch up, don't we? I love what Jesus said next. He looked past his weak flesh and saw the willingness in his heart. And he said, the spirit is indeed willing. But the flesh is weak. Thank God he gets me. Thank God he gets you. Thank God. And and you got it up on the website to reiterate what I've been teaching out of this absolute scenario here. He says, I said, literally, if God sees, based on that scripture and others, but that one in particular, if God sees the willingness of your spirit, he will help you with the weakness of your flesh. But he will not force your will. You have to will to forgive. You may not find it just like that. But if you will to forgive, God will help you forgive. 
This is the sixth in our series online, and it's unforgiveness, hindrances to answer prayer. Isn't it amazing? It's in the context, in the context of faith. In the book of Mark, is it 11, 23, 24, and 25? You know what it says? It says, if you say to this mountain, be removed, and doubt not in your heart that what you say will come to pass, you will have whatsoever you say. And when you, when you pray, believe. There's faith. This is all about mighty faith, isn't it? Mountain-moving faith. Everybody say mountain-moving faith. And when you pray, believe that you receive and you will have what you saith, and he's not done. And when you stand in that mountain moving faith to pray like that, if you have aught against any, forgive. Next verse, context for the text. Did you know that verse is right after all that mountain moving faith stuff? It's a disqualifier. With all that faith to move a mountain and yet unforgiveness. If we can get unforgiveness out of God's people and get them to quit holding grudges and letting a root of bitterness grow up and give them trouble. And you're going to find that trouble when you go to call on God. Amen. When you need forgiveness and you won't forgive and you can't get it without giving it. It's in the model prayer, isn't it? Forgive us our trespasses contingent on what? As we forgive those who trespass against us. Jesus said, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, your Father won't forgive you yours. Well, you're in deep. What's the word I'm looking for? Starts with a D. No, you're in deep trouble. You're in deep trouble. You're in deep trouble. Because your prayer life with all the faith to move a mountain. God says, I won't listen until you do this. You can't receive it and not give it freely you've received, freely give. What family member hurts you and you still got a grudge? What person at work betrayed you and you still got a grudge? What Christian let you down and you still got a grudge? I know Christians today holding a grudge. And they have needs, desperate needs. When you stand praying, praying how? In faith that can move a mountain. Forgive. When you pray, make sure you've operated in forgiveness. You don't even receive worship if you know you've done somebody wrong and you won't ask them for forgiveness. He won't receive your worship no matter how devoted and dedicated you are. When you bring a gift to my altar, the gift of yourself, the gift of worship, the gift of praise, the sacrifice of praise, and you know you've done somebody wrong and you know you need to get it right with that person before you can be right with him, you can't be wrong with people and be right with God. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to deal with this old flesh? We wouldn't have to deal. If we didn't, listen, we could get by with our pride. We could walk around with that. I ain't never. I'll forgive them. I ain't never forgetting. You've never forgiven if you can't let that go. You've never forgiven if you can't let that go. Thank God. God let it go. He cast our sins into the deepest part of the sea. 
that they service no more. As it is written, I will cast their sins away from them. I will never associate them with that again. Amen. As far as the east is from the west, and their sin will I remember no more. I'm glad God forgives, and I'm glad God forgets. I, it was a few months ago. Something that, that made me feel so bad that I couldn't undo. Something that happened in my teenage years, before I even met Pamela. Something before I was even saved. I got up one morning and that thing was laying in my lap. And the devil was saying, do you remember that? You do remember that. You must remember that. Do you remember that wrong? That thing you did. I said, yeah, I remember. I remember. And it weighed on me. It was like a guilt. Satan is the accuser of the brethren, not just to God, but to you and to your own conscience. And I finally had to get nitty gritty with him. I said, yes, I remember it. But God doesn't. And if God doesn't, I am not going to let you put that on me. Amen. The blood of Jesus has been applied to my heart and to my life. Praise God. And now, therefore, now, 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 therefore, there is no condemnation to them that are. Listen, you can do things to bring condemnation by being rebellious before the Lord. But that past stuff that you repented of, that the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from, honey, it's gone. And it's gone forever. Can you say amen? And I got up and shook myself. <laughs> Hallelujah. Literally, get this guilt and this stuff off of me. That was then and this is now. We're talking about now, devil. I got bold. Hallelujah. We're not talking. That, that was then. That was then. Everybody's got a past say that was then. Oh, but, but now, hallelujah, we ain't talking about then, we're talking about now, now therefore, there is no condemnation to them that are in Jesus Christ who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. For the, mm, the law of spirit and life has made me free from the law of sin and death. You can't prosecute me with that law anymore. Hallelujah. 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 Wow. <laughs> I love victory, don't you? Your old flesh takes a beating. It ought to be beat. I want to help you put some nails in it. Praise God. Because you can't follow Jesus without dealing with these things. And we get real close to home when we deal with unforgiveness. We would rather just build our faith to get answers and not deal with these things in our heart that God said, man's looking on all that, but I'm looking at the heart. And so he says, they said, Lord, teach, Lord, increase our faith. He says, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, be thou removed. And if you doubt not in your heart that what you say will come to pass, you'll have what you say. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you, it's ongoing, it hasn't stopped. It's the same scripture. It's continuing. And when you stand praying with what kind of faith? Mountain moving faith. 
Everybody say mountain moving faith. That's all God wants is mountain moving. You know, faith, Abraham believed God. It was imputed to him right. Yes, when you believe him for salvation and you are set free and delivered, you have a standing with God that you cannot earn. But when you are dealing with God to get answers to prayer down here, you've got to have a right attitude of heart. Some people hate to listen to let's talk about Jesus when it addresses those pet sins and those sins that we justify. I said on the broadcast this week, (laughs) Pastor, you don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand what they did to me. To me, and you're asking me to forgive them. No, God is telling you to forgive. And by the way, old hoss, I don't think I use that online. I just use it on y'all. Anyway, (laughs) by the way, by the way, it's not about what they did to you. It's about what He did for you. Did you hear me clearly? Quit thinking about what they did to you and think about what he did for you. And listen to this. While you're thinking, can everybody just focus? We're almost done. I'm looking at the watch, which I don't know why I don't need one. Can you say, man, battery's probably been dead for years and you didn't even know it. You said, well, he's trying to be brief. No, I'm not. I just wear a watch for, you know, (laughs) decoration. Looks good, don't it? Goes with my ring. I'm really stylish today. Battery been dead for five years. Amen. Y'all take up an offering next Sunday. Get me a battery. No, I'm just kidding. It's working just fine. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. When I see your old flesh suffering, sometimes we lighten it up with a little sugar to help the medicine go down. Lord, have mercy. I... Your flesh don't like this. Because your flesh is afraid you're going to kill it. Going to go home and crucify it. Going to put it on a cross and quit letting it have its way. And quit letting it justify. If I were you, I wouldn't. If I were you, oh, you got all these people. If I were you, if I were you, you're not me. And I'm not dealing with you. I'm dealing with him. whether Whether you say it's okay, you can say it's okay all day long. But I'm dealing with God when I pray. Someone with a marital problem. People are going to tell you now, if I were you, honey, they're not you. And they're not, going to, they're not going to have any of the consequences for their advice come on them. It's all going to lay on you. And you've got to be right with God. No matter what anybody else tells you. Listen to me carefully. The flesh doesn't like that. But oh, how we need to crucify the flesh that we might walk in the spirit. In order for me to forgive my enemy, to do good to them that despitefully use me, I must crucify the flesh. It will not conform. And I must not justify my unforgiveness. Well, here's that scripture. Let me close with this. If God, Paul says, if God, if God, and you've got to answer this. If God, for Jesus' sake, 
forgave you. So ought. The word ought in the King James is owe to. You owe it. You owe forgiveness. It's not an option. But if you choose not to, you have that option. God says, don't come to me with mountain-moving faith and unforgiveness in your heart and expect an answer. Who said that? Jesus said that. Do you believe God means it? That He's serious about this? Then why do Christians hold on to it? Song. Do you know the song? Once again, let it go from frozen. Do you know that song? Let it go. Let it go. Do you know it? Can you sing it? Part of the service. I need a little help up here. Let it go. Let it go. I can't hold it back anymore. All right. Let it go. Let it go. I can't hold it back anymore. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Come on. Somebody look at somebody and say, we're going to let this thing go. Can you say man? Hallelujah. We got a prayer answering God. He wants to show up. He wants to show out. We got to let it go so he can. Can you say man? If my people, come on, stand on your feet today. If my people, if my people, we're the one that have the hotline to heaven. Can you say man? If my people, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, just mountain moving faith, no, and turn from their wicked way. I will hear from heaven. I will heal their land. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And the devil knows he can't stop God. The devil knows there's nothing impossible with God. The devil knows that the promises of God are yea and amen to everyone that believes them. The devil knows that God kicked him out of heaven, defeated him in a flesh body here upon the earth. He's got a double doozy defeat going on. Can you say man? How about you? Are you going to hold it? Might be against a family member. That's where my problem was. It was with a family member. The devil knows where you got your goat tied. So when he comes to get your goat, he's going to use somebody that can get to you. Somebody that you can't get away from. You've got to let it go. Let it go. I've seen people who became physically sick because of bitterness. That is a scientific reality. Bitterness and unforgiveness will make you physically sick, mentally ill. You can't enjoy life while hating somebody. It is the antithesis of love. And tongues without love that automatically forgives. What is it? What is it? Is there power in it? No. It's sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. Faith to remove a mountain. You heard it in Mark 11. Mountain moving faith is here. But unforgiveness in the heart has canceled it. Do you get that? Do you see that? Why are we just trying to build our faith without dealing with these things that disqualify us no matter how much faith we got? 
as if faith takes the place of being right with God. It doesn't. Never has. It can get you right with God initially. It's faithfulness. It's fidelity. It's obedience. When your spirit is willing, heaven's resources, you'll do more than talk in tongues. You'll begin to live different. Think different. Hallelujah. God put his finger on something in here today. I'm so glad he did. I'm so glad he doesn't let us keep stuff covered up and walk out through those doors unqualified for answered prayer. I want the truth on Sunday. I don't want sugar-coated. I don't want half-truth. I want it all. Can you say amen? Because when I pray, I'm not just dependent. I'm desperate. Can you say amen? I've been in too many emergency rooms where I was desperate. I've been there with people. I've been there with my children. I've been there with my wife. Amen. Listen, when you get desperate and dependent upon God, you want to clear every avenue. Amen. Glory to God. I get down before God and I said, search me, Lord. Search me. Help me to, help me to see myself as, I, as you see me. Not as I think of myself or others say of me, but what you know about me. I'm not afraid to expose all that I am to you because you know me and you love me. Let it go. When you take the first step of willing and saying, Lord, help me to do this. All the resources of heaven. That's when the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't just give you a liver shiver and cause you to speak in tongues, but it causes you to overcome the weakness of your flesh when God sees the willingness of your spirit. Let it go. My wife and I were talking the other day. Here we are, three score and ten plus. Every day is beyond the median level of life. I've seen these principles work for people and against them. I'll I'll give you one illustration before we go. My watch is actually working. Oral Roberts, back in the day of his healing crusades, went to pray for a lady who had crippling arthritis. Her fingers looked like claws. The body is affected by bitterness and unforgiveness. The fingers are just gnarled up swollen in every joint. Now, you may have arthritis and swollen joints, and that's part of aging, but this was bitterness. She was a relatively young woman to have this condition. He went to pray for her, and God checked him. Because, see, unforgiveness won't allow an answer to come until we operate. If God, for Jesus' sake, forgave you, and that's the only reason you're forgiven, the only reason, we owe it to everybody that harms us, hurts us, betrays us, sins against us, to forgive them. We can't get that from God and withhold it from others. Do you understand that freely you've received? What are we obligated to do after we freely receive that kind of grace and mercy? Freely give it. Freely give it. Freely give it. So he went to pray for and God checked him and gave him a word of knowledge. And he said, ma'am, I can't pray for you yet. Have you forgiven 
Everybody that's ever hurt you in your life. Isn't it amazing that here's someone with that mighty faith message? I used to hear him come on the radio singing, It's no secret what God can do, and other songs of faith. Jesus is passing by. Hallelujah. Oh, it would just lift me right up. This God's man of faith and power getting ready to lay hands that are anointed and a gift of the Spirit that's operating on someone is checked by the Holy Spirit and says, don't pray for her. Ask her to forgive first. And he said, ma'am, have you forgiven everyone? Isn't that amazing? Someone would stop long enough to get down to the real root, not just the sparks, but put out the fire. That's when ministry used to go for the heart. It always went for the heart. It was aimed at the heart. And she said, as far as I know. And he said, you mean there's no one? She said, well, I'm divorced and my husband found a younger woman and left me with two kids to raise. See, it's coming out now. She had every right to be upset, but she didn't have a right not to forgive. Do you understand the difference? He said, lady, if you want to be healed, would you right now forgive him? Now, see, forgiveness is an act of faith. It's not a feeling. You don't wait for a feeling. You obey God. And the feeling will come afterwards. But it starts with obeying God. And in order to obey God in that level, you've got to crucify the flesh because it ain't going to go along with it. It's going to give you every excuse in the world. It's like the possum in my backyard that comes every three or four days to see if there's anything to eat back there. And my, hus- my husband, my dog has killed the possum three times. He runs and catches the possum. He grabs it by the back of the neck. The possum says, I'm dead. You killed me. And the dog says, He's dead. I just killed him. No, he ain't dead. He's playing. You know what your flesh will do? You know what your flesh will do right in this room, right here, right now? And you know something about the flesh? Paul said, I sanctify myself daily. That means I deal with this weak flesh every single day of my life. It's not a one-time sanctification. It's a daily walk of obedience to God. God says, do this. My flesh says, I want that. We've got to make a decision. Crucify the flesh or let it pull us into disobedience to God. So I remember Oral saying, I, I told her to forgive him right here. Would you do what Jesus said to do and forgive him right here? And she said, yes, yes, Brother Roberts, I will. Thank God for that willing spirit. Can you say amen? Thank God for that will, that the spirit, that spirit of unforgiveness is now changing to a spirit of obedience. Listen to me carefully. And she said, Lord... And she, he told her, do it, not in a microphone, but call him by name. 
and say, Lord, I forgive and name. And when I was laying in the floor with a stroke, I didn't just use my faith to get healed or to get help. The Holy Spirit came and said, you said you forgave that person. Did you really forgive them? And I thought, I'm going to cover all the bases. I might be standing for Jesus in the next few minutes. Amen. When you're paralyzed, laying on the floor, uh, and you know, you know, nobody has to tell you. Or die, you know you're in bad shape, <laughs> and you feel and sense your mortality. Oh, my. And I, I, the, my prayer was, I called a person by name. And said, Lord, I forgive and call their name. I don't want to stand before God that I must have grace and mercy from to walk through that gate while withholding the grace and mercy that brings forgiveness to anyone. And I got specific. I called them by name. And when I did, I didn't suddenly get better. You know what happened when I did? The peace of God wrapped me up. And I thought, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> if he wants me home, I'm, re I'm ready to go home. That peace came over me, and I had normal blood pressure. I get near a doctor's office, my blood pressure goes up. Hey, man, I don't even have to go in. When I get in, start smelling the alcohol and all that stuff. Amen. And they're going to start sticking me and poking me. You know I'm 200 over four, 400 over 200. Amen. <laughs> It's pretty probably dead, right? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I I never was good with all of that stuff. Stinks in there, like needles and blood and pain and stuff. <laughs> but God wrapped me in peace, and Pamela was right there in the emergency room when I told her, "Honey." Rather than be crippled for life, if God wants me home, I'm ready. I'm ready. It's okay. I want her to know I'm okay. And I know God would take care of her. But he left me here so I could make you uncomfortable this morning. Can you say amen? No, he left me here to help you crucify the flesh so your prayers can be answered, so God can be glorified, so that a mighty last day revival can occur in our homes and among our children and in our lives. Can you say, man, in our nation and in the world, Jesus is coming soon. What he does, he's going to have to do quickly. So he can't, he can't just bring us along slowly. He's got to grab us, amen, now. And that's what he's doing in my life right now. The Hallelujah. How deep is calling to deep. Can you say, man, His Spirit is calling to our spirit. She called her husband by name. She said, Lord, you've forgiven me. And now I freely forgive and called His name. And she felt a spirit of peace and power come upon her. And without Brother Roberts touching her, she wanted to worship God right there on the spot because this bitterness had turned to peace. And the pressure of that bitterness had turned to peace. And she felt peace with God and the peace of God was enveloping her. And she lifted both of those arthritic claw-like hands. And Brother Roberts said, I heard...
even picked up on the mic. If we could see that video, I heard the popping. I heard a cracking. All those knuckles that had been gnarled over were straightening out under the power of God. And the faith as a mustard seed now was going to move a mountain. Not just a mountain of physical problem, but a spiritual thing that was in the way of the answer. For Do you see that today? And as she worshipped God, healing flowed through her body into her fingers and her hands. And before she was done worshipping, there was no swelling. There was, she could do, there was no claw-like shape to them. They were not misshapen anymore. The pain was gone. The swelling was gone. She worshipped, lift up. Oh, are you ready? Are you ready for this little dessert on this? Lift up holy hands without wrath, unforgiveness, hatred, bitterness, without wrath and doubting. You bring faith with forgiveness. Woo! Hallelujah. Say it with me. Woo! Hallelujah. Prayers are going to be answered. Bodies are going to be healed. Homes are going to see revival among our children. Because they're going to see mom and daddy rejoicing in Jesus. Hallelujah. Did you get anything out of this service today? I don't have to say no more. Hallelujah. One, one quick, quick part of a song. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm sold out today. Let's sing a, just a verse of that before we leave. Hallelujah.